If you have your Bibles today, I want you to go with me to the book of Isaiah. And while you're going there, a reminder that next week we'll be collecting a special love offering for the cross, the bald knob cross. It's been a point of inspiration for people for years in this part of the country. And they, there are so many events that happen there, and we want to be able to help support that and keep the light on. Amen. Isaiah 29 and verse 8. A hungry person dreams of eating, but wakes up still hungry. A thirsty person dreams of drinking, but is still faint from thirst when morning comes. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Just ask you to have your way. Lord, our prayers always let us decrease so you can increase. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you, I, I want to speak to you for a while this morning on more than a dream. Would you say that with me? More than a dream. How many of you have ever had a dream that seemed real to you? I mean, to the point that there were some dreams that seemed so real to me, and I was so glad I woke up. There were other dreams that seemed so real to me that I wanted to go back to sleep and try and pick up where I left off. But what I'm talking about today is more than a dream. The prophet Isaiah writes, and he said, you know, when you're hungry, dreaming of food will not fill you. When you're thirsty, dreaming of water will not quench your thirst. You're going to wake up still with that longing and that desire in you. I thought about how what dreams are really born of, and some dreams come from God, and some dreams come from Pizza Hut. <clears throat> but there are other dreams. There are some dreams that come from a desire that you may have, and then it you desire it so much that it bleeds over into your dreams. I, I don't. How many of you have ever thought about what it would be like to fly like a bird? Have you ever thought about that? Just you know, look up in the sky and see an eagle, and oh man, if I could soar on eagle's wings. How many of you have ever had a dream of flying? And so, I, you know, that those dreams seem to be birthed from a desire that we have. They, I've had dreams where my flight, I had no control of it, and I've had dreams where I could control my flight, and the sensation I had while I was dreaming. Honest to goodness, man, one morning I woke up and that dream seemed so real to me, I was kind of, you know, just thinking, Can, is it possible? Can I? But it, it just wasn't happening. It was just a dream, and I wanted more than a dream. There are times that we dream of things, something that we've watched uh, or activities that we've had during the day. How, how many of you have ever watched like a John Wayne movie and you ended up spending all night shooting it up with Indians and, you know, fighting bad guys? Sometimes you watch a Clint Eastwood movie and you end up in the middle of your dream waking your wife up going, go ahead, make my day. And so those, those dreams become involved in our 
and, and they, they get into our subconscious, those things that we've been doing in the daytime end up bleeding into our night. How many of you have ever had a nightmare before? I mean, just a, a horrific nightmare, and that comes from watching the news. And so I'm, I'm talking about more than a dream today. Have you ever been hungry before? I mean, I'm not talking, I'm talking about really hungry. Have you ever, wave your hand at me if you've ever really been hungry and, or really thirsty, you know, to the point that it's like, man, you wanted, you just sucked on a piece of salt if you'd have thought you could have got any liquid out of it. I mean, it was just, you know, where you're in a field. I, I remember uh, hauling hay. Anybody can relate to that and you get in that field and you get so dry and, and looking for water and sometimes the water jug was on the opposite end of the field and you thought, man, I can't wait to get to the other end. Or sometimes, how many of you have ever had this conversation before? Come into church and after church is over and some of you will have this conversation today. Where do you want to go eat? Oh, I don't care, wherever you want to go. Well, let's go get some chicken. I don't feel like chicken. Well, where do you want to eat? I, it doesn't matter to me. Just pick a place. Well, how about we go down to Golden Corral? I don't want to go down there where all those fingers have been in that food. Now, I'm, well, well, where do you want to go? Any place. I'm easy to please. And so it becomes a quest for what are you hungry for? And so sometimes we, we know immediately, well, I'd like to have some Mexican food today. I'm going to go get me a, I'm going to turn Sunday into Taco Tuesday and, and, and have Mexican food. Sometimes you're hungry for Chinese food and you go in and you look at it and you think, why did I come here? No, it's no, Chinese is good, isn't it? How many of you like Chinese food? Isn't it? Chinese food is great, yeah. Sometimes you're looking for Italian, a little bit of spaghetti and meatballs, and that's Italian. And, and, and you just, you know, you, you, you get these cravings. Sometimes you're, you're after just a good old steak. Give me a steak and potato, and I am a happy camper. Other times you, you're feeling, you know, man, I'd love some seafood. Give me some crab legs and lobster, and I am in heaven, man. I just, you know, and, and then there, of course, if I want seafood, I don't want to buy it in southern Illinois. What's that supposed to mean? You want fresh seafood, right? I mean, there's a difference. How many of you have ever had seafood like on the coast someplace and you're thinking, oh my goodness, man, this is totally different than that frozen dinner I bought. And, and then the, sometimes you're just after some good old home cooking, what we call, what's that called? Comfort food. Just, you know, I love turkey at Thanksgiving and I love turkey at Christmas and I love turkey at Easter, and I love turkey on Flag Day. I just love turkey. I, I, I love turkey, but I, I usually only get that once a year unless I go to Bob Evans, you know. And, and so anytime I go to Bob Evans, you don't even have to ask me what I want. It's going to be turkey. So, and that's all, that, and, and we're, we don't realize really how blessed we are because these things become readily available to us, you know, that we can get this food. But I remember traveling in Russia 
and had a group with me in 93 and it hadn't really opened up yet and you know I had uh, you know breakfast consisted of raw fish uh, a slice or two of cucumber a piece of cheese and a, I didn't know what hard bread was until I traveled to Russia on the flight to Russia I was in a, a, an airline called Finnair and they brought me a dinner roll I thought and I realized it wasn't a dinner roll it was a baseball it was I, I thought somebody was messing with me I literally this happened folks I took that I'm looking around I'm thinking man is somebody messing with me I, I took that bread and I'm smacking it on the, the the tray table and I'm thinking there is no way this bread is supposed to be this hard and you know you you know and you, when you're eating in front of people you're trying to you know show your thank you I knew there were out there somewhere you know you're trying to show your manners and 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 do it you know show etiquette and and you but there's no way to eat a hard roll nice you know you get a hold of it and you're you know trying to get it loose and so but when we got to Russia and after having been served these and look it was and I love bacon right how many are bacon lovers in here and, and I love bacon, but I didn't like theirs. Well, I never had boiled bacon in my life until I went to Russia. And they served boiled bacon. And that was later on, you know, when things opened up and they got bacon in there. And, and so you know you're desperate when all of a sudden your entire group gives it. When we, when we traveled into Moscow, our whole group gave a shout of ecstasy when they saw the golden arches and I thought buddy when your desire is to eat at Big Mac you know things are tough you, you know you know things have gotten bad and so it's about availability everybody say availability we we experience that a lot when we're at home at night right you get home at night and you and and you may want one of those things you may want a mexican dinner you may want a turkey but you're going i'm not cooking man it's i'm, I'm not cooking and so what do we start doing we start looking for what's convenient instead of what's good for us and so when you start falling victim to what's convenient you know how that ends right you start grabbing anything and everything I mean you know you open up cans and then you you look on the outside to make sure that's not dog food and you're thinking no that says potted meat on the uh, but I get it I get it it's all about presentation so you have to present it it's still potted meat and I mean, you, you think I'm messing with you. We got served something that looked like that in Russia. And, and when, when my interpreter came to me and asked me to complain about the food, I knew it was bad. I, I knew something was going on. But we've been, you've been there, haven't you, where all of a sudden you start digging through the cabinets and you're grabbing anything and everything. Oh, oh, here, here, you know, here's some Cheetos. That looks good. I think I'll have some Cheetos. Oh, there's a couple eggs in there. Maybe I'll fry an egg. No, I don't want to cook it. I, I just, you know, I, I wonder if there's anything I could do with that egg that would be. You ever drank a raw egg? 
I did once. It was enough. It wasn't anything I wanted again. And you start combining food that you normally would never put together. You're digging through the refrigerator, finding leftovers from 1982. And, and you're thinking, I wonder if I put some hot sauce on this, if it'll be okay. And then you start consuming this stuff. And the next thing you know, you have created a bomb in your stomach. And you're thinking, man, I am sick. I wished. I, you remember the commercial? Try it. Thank you. And then he goes, I tried it. Thought I was going to die. Man, consuming something because you're hungry, but you're not picky, can end up in a mess. We need to remember that everything that happens in the natural world has a spiritual correlation. And so we need to, having said that, let me remind you of last week's message that we were created by God and carry the breath of God in us. Therefore, there is a hunger and a longing in us that only God can satisfy. But if we end up doing in the spiritual like we do in the natural that we reach for anything trying to satisfy that longing in our soul it can wreck our lives you remember in the 60s and the 70s when we all of a sudden had this drug culture that evolved and and people were you know, they, I, I mean, it was, you know, the hippies and, and bell bottoms and hip huggers and, and flowers on everything and, and, you know, let's make love, not war and, and all this stuff going on. And all of a sudden, people, they were hungry. Those kids were hungry looking for something. But they allowed themselves to be filled with the wrong thing. And so you had people overdosing and, and all of a sudden burning. I've, I've, I've had, look, man, I had a young man I grew up with, and I, I went back to where I grew up about, I, it was probably about 10 years ago when I, I made that trip back, and I saw this guy on a lawnmower riding down the road on a lawnmower. I'm like, man, what's he doing in the middle of the road on a lawnmower? And, and I, I drive on past him, and I go to a friend's house uh, and to see if he's still around. And, he, and it took him a moment to recognize who I was. And, man, we hadn't seen each other probably in 20-plus years or, or, or 30 years. And, and so we start talking. And I'll be, if here doesn't come the guy on the lawnmower, he looked to be in his 70s. And he got up there and he came up and he started talking and all this. And while I'm talking, you know, to him and I'm thinking, and when he finally left, I looked at Randy and I said, who was that? He said that was, and he called the boy's name. I said, there's no way. Because he was younger than I was. But he looked like he was in his 70s. And this was back when I was in my 40s. Does that tell you anything? And I said, why is he driving a lawnmower? 
He said he's got his license pulled away because he's had so many DWIs. He said his, his license is gone and he just rides around on that lawnmower. I went to back a, a, about two years after that to see him again. I said, where's, oh, Charlie at? Where, where's he at? And they, he told me, he said, he's dead. I said, what? He said, yeah, he said, they found him out in the woods. He said he'd been there for a while. He said he, he was walking through the woods to the tavern to go get something to drink. And he said he, apparently it looks like he tripped and hit his head on a rock and he died there. Nobody knew he was there. Why? Because he was hungry for something. He was thirsty for something. But what he was thirsty for was the wrong thing. We're made that way, folks. We're made with a hunger and a longing and a desire inside our soul that only God can fill. But if we don't turn to God, we turn to everything else around us. And so from that culture, drugs came out and people were, you know, I, I mean, messing their lives up until their minds were gone. And then something unique happened in that setting. All of a sudden, these hippies started realizing these drugs aren't working for me. They saw friends dying and family dying, and th this isn't working for me. And they started checking out Jesus. And when they checked out Jesus, it changed their life forever. It became known as the Jesus Revolution. And man, people all across the United States. Now, you say, what's that got to do with us? We've got the same thing going on now. We got people that are hungry. There's something longing and lacking in their soul, but they're looking in the wrong places. They're trying. Now we've got fentanyl that are killing our kids. They're grabbing hold of things that instead of helping them find God, are taking them away from God. We've reached a point where now gender has played into this and, and pronouns. What am I going to be called? I'm not going to judge them. I'm telling you that these folks are hungry and they don't know what they're hungry for. Why, would a, why else would a man say, I want to be a woman and a woman say, I want to be a man? Don't judge them. Understand that there's something that they're missing and the only thing that's going to satisfy that is when they find Jesus. So if you can point them to Jesus but you have to want it before you'll eat it the scripture says to the let me put it in plain English that when you're full even honey doesn't appeal to you but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet what are you saying? What, why else do you think people turn to things like that? Knowing that it can get a hold of you. If you haven't seen LaDonna's, is this okay? It better be. It's, if you haven't seen LaDonna's broadcast, I started to say forecast. If you haven't seen LaDonna's broadcast, you need to take a look at it. Debbie interviewed her. I found out things about her that I'd never seen before. Is it okay if I ask you to stand up? That won't embarrass you, will it? Everybody take a look. Give LaDonna a big hand. Now, 
Thank you, LaDonna. We see LaDonna out in the foyer, you know, every week, and we think, oh, that's a classy lady. She's really got it together and all that. You don't know her past. You'd never believe that she was a drug addict. But she was addicted. And she shared that in her testimony. And she talked about how cocaine is such, so deceitful because you take it, and then all of a sudden, he, she said, you never reach that first high you got. And you spend the rest of your life and the rest of your money trying to reach it. And that's why people overdose and die. It's not because they're intentionally doing it. It's because they're trying to find that that they felt that, that, that one time, that, that longing that they had. And they think, this is it. That's not it. Can I tell you, when you accept Jesus into your life, that you find what you've been longing for, you'll find a pearl of great price. The good news is, is he just keeps getting better and better and better. He doesn't let you down. And I thought about it. How many of you have seen the Jesus Revolution movie that's come out? If you haven't seen that, I encourage you to go see it. Because I thought about what was happening. They, they say that destiny, I mean, that history repeats itself. And I, I thought about what took place in the 70s. And did you know that? Right before that 70, what they called the Jesus Revolution, that something preceded that. And there was a college in Kentucky called Asbury in the 70s that all of a sudden came in and started experiencing something. They went into what was supposed to be just a regular chapel service, and it didn't turn into just a regular chapel service. People were hungry, and when you get hungry, something's going to happen. When you get thirsty, and they started praying and seeking God, and it went for 185 hours with no stop, around the clock, day and night. They never left the place 185 hours because some kids got hungry and thirsty and they finally found the right well to draw from Jesus sees the woman at the well and he looked at her and he said if you drink from this water you're going to thirst again but if you'll drink from the water that I offer You'll never thirst again. What was he saying? He said, you'll never want anything else. You'll always come back to this well. You'll never want to go to another well. And she looked at him, and with a hunger in her heart, she said, give me this water so I don't have to come back to this place. I'm tired of being here. Hear what I'm saying. How many are tired of the way things are or were in your life? That's what drove us to him. That's what brought us to him. Give me this water. I thought it ironic that in the 70s that broke out in that little town in Kentucky right before the Jesus Revolution hit. And right before that movie came out, something happened in Asbury, Kentucky again. Students got together and they, it was just a regular chapel service and they started to go in to pray and it wasn't the worship that drove them there. It wasn't the preaching that took them there. It was when a young man got up 
and started confessing what was wrong inside him and that he longed for God and he wanted God. He wanted to be free from all that. And then another student got up and started confessing and another and another and another until all of a sudden something started moving through Asbury again. And in a week's time, over a thousand people had come to that little college. Why? Because they were hungry, looking for something that they're longing for, but haven't found it yet. Somebody say, I was looking in all the wrong places. You ever look for your keys before? You know they're around here somewhere. Blame everybody in the world for picking them up and putting them someplace else. Your wife's to blame. Your kids are to blame. If you people have quit picking and fooling with my kids, or with my kids, with my keys, I'd know where they were. I can relate to that. It happened to me. I blamed everybody in the world. And Debbie was in bed, and I was saying, where are my keys at? I don't know. I don't know. She was still in bed. I said, well, get up and help me find them. i got to go to work. I got to go to, isn't it odd that when we're lacking something, we want to blame somebody else for our problem, for our situation? And she looked at me and had the audacity to say, did you check your pockets? I said, my keys are not in my pocket. It just aggravated me that she would even say that. And she said, well, go look in the car. And I said, well, I've already looked, but I'll go again. And I opened the car door and went to sit down in the seat to look, and I felt something jab me in my leg. I reached into my pocket, and I immediately drove to work and prayed all day long that she'd forget all about that conversation. <laughs> See, the answer was always there, but I was just reaching in all the wrong places. God's not far from you. You can't travel so far out of his presence and away from his grace that he won't bring you back in. But the devil puts in your mind that you can never have that. You can never experience that. That can never be yours. Let me remind you something about the devil. He's a liar, and he's the father of liars. So whatever he told you, he lied to you. You can have it, and it belongs to you, but you have to want it. You know, the definition of disappointment is when you go home and find out that your wife has prepared a huge dinner. All your favorites. And you had stopped at Dairy Queen <laughs> right before you got home. And that didn't happen to me. She's looking at me like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to. And now you're too full of everything else to have the right thing. Oh, God, I don't want to spend my life eating potted meat. We're collecting it this month. No, now hang on. That's why we call it an emergency food supply. It's that you only eat that in case of an emergency. It's when there's nothing else around. That's 
when you eat that. But he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. What's he saying? He's saying, I understand that there is a hunger and a longing in you that I put there, and I'm the only one that can fill it. In Psalms 107 and 9, he says, For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. When people got hungry in the 70s, they began to wake up from that drug-induced dream, and they wanted something real, something that would satisfy their thirst. We need to cry out like David did in the 42nd Psalm when he said, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Paul was singing that song, I come to the garden alone. while the dew is still on the roses. What's that song talking about? He's saying, I have to find a place alone with God where I can talk to him, and he becomes real to me because I'm never going to be able to experience revival until it starts inside me. Somebody say, it's got to start with me. In the book of John, the seventh chapter, Jesus is there, and it's the last day of the feast. And they would go, and they would take a cup, and they would draw from a pool there, and they would parade that through town dancing, and it was symbolic of Isaiah. I believe it's the 12th chapter of Isaiah where it talks about, with joy, draw out the, the waters of salvation. And and they're going through the street, and Jesus is watching them parade down the street, and as he watches that... All of a sudden, something hits him, and he's realizing they're looking in the wrong place. And the Bible said it was the last day of the feast when all of a sudden he cried out on the last day of the feast, and he stood up and he declared, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What's he doing? He's saying, look, just going to church isn't going to satisfy your longing. Just, just showing up on a Sunday isn't going to give you what you're looking for. You've got to get alone with me. You've got to spend some time with me. You need to come to me thirsty and hungry. And when you do that, I'm going to fill you up. That's why why he said, blessed are they that thirst and, or that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Everybody say the right thing, for they shall be filled. How many of you have ever felt, how can I say this? How many of you have ever let yourself go? Now, let me, let me explain what I'm saying because I don't want spouses looking at each other. You're laughing a little too long. <laughs> Look, I just, I, I just finally did what they told me. When I was young, my waist was 32 and my chest was 45. 
my chest wasn't 42. Oh, 44. I had a 32-inch waist, 44-inch chest. And they told me I could not buy a suit like that because they didn't come that way. So I had to adjust my body to the way suits came. <laughs> when you let your, you know what I'm talking about, you let yourself go. I'm talking about this way. Have you ever, like Ben, uh, how can I say this? Okay, if you've ever, when, when you were in the world before you came to God, and you, you, you know, if you were at a party or something, did you ever just let yourself go? <laughs> Thought you were so cool. Music was going on, you know, and you, you got, you know, all the, you're doing the funky chicken and the mashed potato and the, you know, meringue pie. You got it all going on. And you don't care what anybody thinks. But then you got saved. And you got more concerned about what other people think than about God. So we come in and we sit very quietly and we make sure that we are careful that we don't get too excited because after all, this is the house of God. I want to tell you if that's the house of God, you're not going to find me there because that's not what I was hungry for. That's not what I was thirsty for. I needed something real. And I would sit in my backyard and look up in the sky and see birds flying and question in my mind and say, there has to be a God. But I didn't know him. Then I got saved, and I'd, I'd get down on my knees, and I'd begin to say, God, there's got to be more to you than I'm experiencing, and I want to know you. But if we're not careful, we get in a routine, and we allow the hunger to drift from us and the thirst to leave us, and we get more accustomed to one another and just going through our thing. And I don't want to do our thing. I want him. I'm thirsty for him. I'm longing for him and he promised me this he said if I'll come to him he'll give me a river a living water flowing out of me a river that flows out of me somebody shout yes I want the river to flow so now right before this movie comes out Asbury's experiencing again it's starting to flow through it made me think about something about all the people that ran down to that. And I thought, what, why are all the people going? It's because they're hungry for something that they're missing. When Brownsville hit and that revival and all the film was going on, and thank God, man, I mean, it was a move of God. Thank God for it. But I started looking at the film, and I got a little puzzled because, Ray, I was looking at it, and I thought, I don't see anything going on that I haven't been experiencing. Just not that many people. And then it, it dawned on me that you can't run and find revival. Revival has to start here. 
Revival has to start here. Remember what I said last week when my father-in-law looked at me? I was 18 years old, chomping at the bits. I knew I had a call of God on my life. And Brother Russell looked at me and he said, you know, there's a lot of revival that could happen right around here. A lot of reviving that could happen right around here. And I made up my mind when he said that to me, a light went off. And I made up my mind, I'm going to have a revival wherever I'm at. No matter where I am and who I am with, I can have revival. You know how it happens? It's when you forget about everybody around you and you focus on him. Come on, say it with me. I'm, I'm going to th- th- turn around, look at your neighbor. No, I, don't take this the wrong way, but look at your neighbor and say, forget you. <laughs> I'm going to forget about you for a moment, and I'm going to get my mind focused on God. Do you know what happened when all of a sudden I started to do that? I, I found out that you could have revival at your workplace. I, I saw a guy get healed. His eye was blinded, and he'd been hit with a rock, and God healed him at the work site. I saw a guy get filled with a Holy Ghost at break time. A guy in the back corner saw an angel at 2 o'clock in the morning. What are you saying? God is ever with us. He's in us. He wants to move through us. But to allow that to happen, we have to get hungry. Would you stand with me today? Somebody say hungry. And I'm not just hungry for anything. I'm hungry for him. It's time to cry out to God. I'm hungry for you. I don't even know if you remember that song. They used to sing a song, I'm hungry for you. I want more than a dream of revival. I want to be the revival. Everybody say, let it start here. You remember I told you about it? dream that God gave, well, I don't, I, I called it a dream. It was, I was, I wasn't asleep, but I wasn't totally awake. And all of a sudden I heard God start to speak to me. You're doing this, you're going about this the wrong way. What? You're going about it the wrong way. Son, you can't change their mind. You have to change their heart. Stir up the gift that I've put inside you. Stir up the gift. Here's the good news. There's not a person in this building that doesn't have a gift that God has placed inside you. You may not know what it is yet, you may, you may be keeping it pressed down with activity, with what your focus has been on. Or you may be hungry for the wrong things, but all it takes is a moment in God's presence and it'll turn it all around. God's not predictable. He's not a relic on a shelf. He's alive and well, and he responds to hunger. Any of you ever have a baby? 
and that baby would get hungry. Did your baby make sure that he never got hungry until he was supposed to? In other words, if you were in church service, he'd never get hungry in church service. She would never cry out in church because she knew that's not the place to do that. Or, or at a funeral and, and, and or, or at a wedding and they're getting ready to say, I do. And she, Wah! Hunger was speaking. And what did you do? You responded to it. You didn't say, wait 30 minutes. You can wait 30 minutes. You responded because hunger demands a response. Just coming in and sitting on a church pew won't get a response. But if you get hungry and you cry out to God, that hunger will demand a response from God. How many of you hungry today? We're getting ready to pray. Hunger will take you places. It'll cause you to get up and drive. It'll make you mindful of how good he is. That's why he's able to, he's so confident. He says, just taste and see. Because you've ever tasted me. You'll never want anything else. So I'm going to ask you today to let your hunger respond to God. If you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor, I want God to move in me. Now, God moving in me happens when I worship. And all of a sudden, I feel him. Have you ever felt God move in you? When all of a sudden your hands are and you're worshiping, and man, and you feel it. I mean, it's like you are in your own world and, and God is flooding your soul. He's moving in you. But moving through you is different. When God moves through you, it's, he's using you as an instrument to touch someone else's life. And that has a whole other feeling to it. I mean, how many of you have ever experienced that where God moved through you? And you saw somebody, you spoke to someone, and they said, they started crying. They said, that's, that's exactly what I was just thinking in my mind. That, that, oh, you don't know how much I needed that today. But he can't move through you until you let him move in you. How many of you are ready for revival to start right here, right now? that's what you want, I want you to come to the front of this church right now. Very quickly, move to the front of the church. It starts here, right here, right now. In the year 2000, I had an encounter. I got hungry. And it was a different encounter, man. It went on for 10 months. I was preaching, man. I was holding revivals. I'd get up and couldn't preach a message. I'd break down and start to cry. And I thought, God, what's happening to me? But then people in the audience would start to cry and run to the altar. And I thought, you can't, you can't manufacture that. You can't whip that up. That's God. Just like it took five years. Five years of waiting and watching and trusting and praying 
and sometimes feeling like it's never, is it ever going to happen for me? Is it ever going to come? And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, it shows up unexpectedly and God gives you a miracle. Stretch your hands to heaven right now. If you're not aware, she just got a miracle. Her little boy got a miracle. Been on a trach for five years and doctors thought that that, that, that they'll never be able to do anything. And then God turned it around. The surgeons had to come back in. They they said, man, we weren't expecting this. Because nobody operates the way God does. She raised your hands to heaven with me right now. Father, I thank you. So as you just stretch your hands to heaven. How much of God do you want? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe you're experiencing everything God has for you right now? No, I'm hungry. There's more. There's more. But I can't hold more until I'm hungry for more. If I believe the lies, if I'm eating the junk that's being fed to me in the world around me, then I'll never be able to hold what God has for me. Because what God has for me is so much better. It's so much stronger. That's why the devil tries his best to keep you preoccupied because he doesn't want you to get what God has for you. You stretch your hands to heaven with me today. Say, I'm getting it. Raise your hand. Say, I'm getting it. I'm. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm, I'm just going to go and pray with you. Now, look, don't anybody get shook up in here. You say, well, wait a minute. What's this stuff? Man, what's that lady doing on the floor? The Bible said that no man can see God and live. So if God touches you, something's going to happen. You may just cry, you may tremble, you may shake, you may fall. I'm not concerned about what happens to you. I just want to make sure that you feel God coming through you. Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. God, I give you praise for it. Say it's starting here.
year or so ago, not quite a year ago, I, I watched this lady come in here with a cane, could barely move. Her mother was concerned that he, she was going to lose her. But one moment in God's presence is all it took to change that. The young lady standing next to her had been in crippling pain for how long? For five years. You don't, most of you don't know it. She had an electronic device in her to try and regulate the pain because it would never go away. And sometimes she said it was suicidal pain. Not that she would have ever taken her life, but she said it made me not want to live. And all it took was one moment in the presence of God to change that. Now, now why, why didn't he do that five years earlier? I don't have the answer to those things. What I do know is he's faithful. What I do know is he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. What I do know is if he doesn't keep you from the lion's den, he'll see you through the lion's den. He'll never walk away from you. So he did that for a purpose and for a plan. Stretch your hands to heaven. Mountains are still you felt him move in you. Now it's time to feel him move through you. God, I don't want you to try and figure things out. But just trust him the same way that all of a sudden, without you realizing what was happening, it happened. God said, that's how I move. I'm not going to, I, he's not going to get an okay from you for his plan. He just wants you to be in agreement saying, here I am, God. Here I am. today I know some of you kind of hanging back my tribe moves forward what are you saying I'm saying I had five there were five of us brothers and sisters when supper time came and you were hungry you pushed your way to the table because you weren't gonna let anybody get your chicken you were you were going to get what you came for I'm asking today how hungry are you now you can hang back if you want to, and I'm not—I I, I don't want anybody to take this wrong. But if you—if you're hungry, you need to push your way to the front. You need—I'm not talking about run over somebody. I'm just saying move in as close as you can. Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. I want you to give your mind a break. Sometimes it's like you need to see it all laid out. And that's not faith. Faith is just taking a step at a time and saying, 
I know you're here in this step. I know. Today, today, this little fella is breathing with no trach. Four years, it was four years. <laughs> and he's happy about it, isn't he? Hey, let's give God a hand clap of praise. When Jeremiah was one month old is when um, he'd already been in the NICU his whole life. Uh, they found out his lung capacity didn't have enough um, to breathe on his own, but his, his airway also collapsed. <laughs> 
so he was trained and pastor pastor was there that day he came out and he stayed with us and it was it was a hard day but it you know it kept him breathing and so the last 1555 days we prayed we prayed hospital trip after hospital trip and scope after scope and and they gave us options and and they were very invasive options like if he had open heart surgery but his heart's too stable now for open heart surgery so last weekend we went back to Cincinnati and they did the scopes and they had had a lot more hope when we came in and they said this this trick's coming out today they didn't have to do any surgeries they didn't have to do any procedures it's just gone it's just gone so let me let me ask a question and I want you to think about this what would have happened if she'd given up at 1,554 she kept believing day after day believing and God showed himself real the truth is God's been real through the whole process amen let's give him another hand clap of praise stretch your hands to heaven are you hungry want more of God folks I would have never gone to church if it had been about going in and sitting on a pew. I knew there had to be a reality to God, and I needed to find that reality. Matter of fact, the day that God, I mean, God showed me in several different ways, but the day that I got introduced to the power and the presence of God, I was in a meeting, and the guy, that the, the older man that was here, Brother Walls, that's why I have such a connection to him, he laid hands on me, and I literally went flying across the church. Felt like somebody picked me up and threw me. People came to me afterwards, and it said, it looked like somebody picked you up and threw you. I tried to get up off the floor, and I'd get knocked back down. Nobody was even around me. I'd get knocked back down. That kept happening to me over and over. And I finally stopped and prayed, and I said, God, I don't know how much more of this I can take. I don't know how, because what... Don't ever pray that God show you how powerful he is if you don't want him to. I left there that day knowing without a shadow of a doubt that there's a God that's bigger than any of my problems. That's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to his power. That works where? in us so to get in you you've got to open the door say come on in Jesus come on in would you stretch your hands that with me right now father I just pray Lord miracles happen you're hungry
matter how real he is to anybody else around me. He had to be real to me. And that's what he's done today. He's shown you real to you. So all I'm asking you to do is raise both your hands like this, and you don't have to understand. All that means is, like if somebody had a gun in your back, it'd be like, okay, hey, I surrender. And that's what you're saying today as I surrender. And this is what I need. Tell me your name. Elijah, you need to understand that God loves you and cares about you and has a plan for your life that you can't begin to understand or fathom. And he's much more confident in you than you are in yourself. It's because you see as you are now, he sees as he created you to be. And that's where you're going right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for Elijah today. bigger than your situation everybody in the crowd that day were, they, they were afraid because all they saw was a giant when David showed up that all ended because all David saw was God <laughs> I'm not going to let my focus be on my giant I'm going to let my focus be on the God that's able to take my giant out.
stretch your hands to heaven. I'm, I, look, if you need to go, you can go. I, I understand that, and I, I won't feel any way about that at all. But I'm done of trying to hurry up so we can get to our fried chicken. If you, look, if you've got to go, I get it. I get it. So, you know, you're dismissed at any time. Hunger demands a response. If there's one thing that I learned when I traveled, it was the hungrier the church was, the more demand that was put on the Spirit of God. I could feel it when I went into a place. It wasn't me, it was their hunger. And when I walked into a place that was hungry, I could feel it coming up in me because God was saying, I've moved in you. Now I'm going to move through you because hunger is calling to me. You've got to not be ashamed of your hunger and you need to feed that hunger. When you're growing in the natural, my, my nephew, Judge, he'll be here on the 26th, but when he was a little boy, he started growing. And man, he was burning through calories and he started to hurt. And they took him to the doctor and they said, well, he's hurting, his joints are hurting. And the doctor said, he's going through a growth spurt because hunger causes you to grow when you feed it. And sometimes it hurts a little bit. So as you stretch your hands to heaven, I want to tell you something, that nothing can stop you from growing when you respond to God through hunger. I've eaten in places, I've eaten in places before where it was, man, chandeliers and candlelight and rooms that were overlaid in gold it's literally and I've eaten sitting on concrete blocks swatting bugs and trying to keep them out of my mouth and, but it never stopped me from eating because I was hungry and your surroundings haven't always been conducive always, we don't always get to pick what we want but you can eat no matter what. So today, you let God know you're hungry and God's going to grow you and build you right out of those circumstances. It's going to change things around you. Are you ready for that? Church, would you stretch your mind?
Jesus. You see, stretch your hands to heaven. I, I got to give you what I'm hearing, okay? And I don't know where this is. I, I'm not going to try and figure it out. But I see the word depression like a, does that make sense to you? There's been a depression that's tried to latch hold of you. And it's, it's been like a cloud that's been overshadowing your life that's getting ready to leave today. God reveals it so he can heal it. Are you ready? Look at me. Stay hungry. My parents used to think I had a hole in the bottom of my belly. Where are you putting all that food, boy? Stay hungry. There's, I want you to get this. I'm going to let you go. There's a difference between staying hungry for God and being hungry for something. Being hungry for something will cause you to roam. Staying hungry for God will bring you into his presence. So when you find yourself in the garden alone, you're going to find out that that's like an experience you can't relate to anyone else. I'm encouraging you, spend some time with God alone. I would, you think God won't show up? I was alone in a chiropractor's office, and all of a sudden, I said, no, God, not here. Not here. I was late. I had my back layer. I, they laid me on a table, and all of a sudden, I felt him start to come into that room and overwhelm me. Tears started dropping down. Not here, God. He doesn't care. And I pray that he helps me not to care either. Wherever it's at, 
wherever the encounter happens, we need to let it happen because he has a purpose and a reason. Come here in just a second, would you? Right here. Just stretch your hands to heaven with me. You hungry? I know. And you don't have to understand everything. God understands hunger. And hunger speaks loud. Sometimes I don't even know how to pray, God, what it is I want. I just want him. I just want him. He's going to show himself to you. I want you, if you would, just to give her a big hug. Would you do it? <laughs> Sometimes we just need God to put his arms around us, hold us, and let us know he's there. He is there. He's got good things in store for you, honey. He's got good things in store for you. Thank you, Jesus. Give him a hand clap of praise in this house today. Now, we're going to end with this. Turn around, look at somebody, and say, I don't know about you, but I am hungry, and I'm fixing to go get me something good. <laughs> Come on, give him another hand clap of praise. God bless you.